Good everybody. To God be the glory. We're going to go ahead and get started with what we have. I want to just share a quick thought with you on something, and it may be a little bit cynical, but that's okay. Do you think Israel was ready when God sent his son Jesus here? Do you think they, was, they were standing by and uh, had prepared themselves for the arrival of their Messiah? No, they, they were not ready. In fact, no one knew that he was coming at that time until the angel Gabriel showed up in Nazareth and spoke with Mary. That's when they got the notification that he was on the way. And, and even so, what about the people who were caught in the flood? Uh, even though they mocked Noah for almost 100 years as he was building the ark. And when the ark was actually finished, do you think that they actually knew when the first raindrop was going to fall? Even when the clouds began to roll in, they still, what's that? What, what, what I'm saying is that life goes on business as usual but it's an important clue from the two things that I just told you about the flood and about the coming of Lord Jesus the first time that parallels the third time in which God is going to come Christ comes this time there won't be any difference in human behavior It'll be business as usual, Deacon. People will still be doing the same thing that they're doing right now. Unscheduled activities, scheduled activities, messed up activities, you name it, right? It's so, so those things are going to go on. But it doesn't change God's plan of operation. God's word will still be fulfilled. And what God wants us to understand and I was thinking about this as I was driving to Gainesville this morning. You know, who commanded that flood to take place? Say a lot. Of Jesus. The same Jesus that came as Mary's little baby, mm -hmm. right? Is the same one that commanded that water to fall from heaven. The same one that caused the springs of the deep to open. So water came from both places on high and from below and filled the earth up to the capacity that the highest mountain, the, the, the water was 20 cubits higher than the tallest mountain. So a lot of people don't understand. Maybe they do understand if it's explained to them, but they don't realize that is the same loving Jesus that says to Peter, "If you, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Oh, take care of him, Peter. It's the same one that commanded the water to kill millions. Whew. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But it's still the same one. 
Ron, across the street and I was talking today, and we were giving God the glory. We had a, a gamut of conversations. We were just going back and forth on some things about the Lord. And, 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 and please, just, if you will, get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ for a moment. Uh, I know you're tired, Dick. You got up, what, 4 o'clock this morning? I don't know what time you got up. You're in a new job, day shift. It's kind of hard to get adjusted to it. But here's, here's what happened. Do you know when Lord Jesus went into hell? There was nothing that Satan, two top generals, could do about it, known as principalities. Hades and what was the other one name? What was the other one? Death, that's right. You go, boy. You're on it. Okay, awesome. Um, he just didn't walk through the gate, Shelly. And was in the front entrance on the front lawn of hell. He went into the heart of it, into the worst places of it. And I was asking Ron, I said, Ron, do you suppose they recognized them, the ones who rejected him? Because here, here's what I want you to get a, a good picture of, Shelley. Think about this picture. You know the three and a half year ministry that he did when he was here? Did you know that people died during that three and a half years that he was here? And some of those people were some of the ones who rejected him that are now in, in the hell that he's now in. And I wonder, it's just a wild thing to think about. I wonder what they thought when he walked in. They're in torment and he walks in the middle of hell. <laughs> and what about the one who tried to execute him? What about King Herod? Yeah. But I tried to take him out when he was a baby. And, and, and the angel of the Lord told Joseph to get up in the middle of the night and flee to Egypt with Mary and baby Jesus. What was Herod thinking when he seen him walk through the gates of hell? <laughs> I don't know if they even recognized it, but it's just a thought, right? I bet they were begging him. But can you imagine that? The one that you tried to kill, there he is, right there. And the flame wasn't even touching him. The things that scare people in hell, as the Lord Jesus described in Matthew 24, he said there was to be weeping and gashing the teeth, right? And he said, where the worm dies not, that means perpetually worms are eating at their soul, okay? And the darkness, the darkness is so thick. And a, lot of, a lot of people think hell is pure red and hot and glowing, right? The Lord don't describe hell like that. Did you know that? Hell is a hot blackness. Because Jesus called it outer darkness. Because he's light and he'll be Yeah, uh, hell is darkness. And can you imagine not even able to see your own fingers burning like that? And you're on fire. But the, the, the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in hell. I could, it's hard to, to really get that picture. I don't want to see it firsthand either. <laughs> but the opposite of that is seeing the glory of Jesus in heaven. Amen? Amen. And it's amazing. It's a, his amazing attributes of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. People Sunday at Post Springs got the opportunity to hear his voice through his gospel and be moved and touched. Wasn't that, wasn't that wonderful? It was. That was wonderful. And so 
I want you to think about who God is for a moment. The song says, how great is our God? Truly, well, well, how great is our God? Remember God, the, the scripture says that the ways of God are past finding out. They're impossible for man to know. Because God is so remotely away from us. So incredibly in majesty. Arrayed in glory beyond any man's wildest imagination. Both of you cats are sleepy sitting here. <laughs> She's just yawning away. And Matthew, have not, he zunked out. He just lifted his head when I said that. A yawn just means your brain warmed up. And, and, and I... I <laughs> Fact. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> no, uh, I want my operator to fall asleep on the keyboard like she did last time. I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> she was gone, wasn't she, Shelly? But listen, listen. Uh, the radiance of Jesus is so fabulous. Uh, think about your. What is the most glamorous moment in your mind that that, that really makes your britches happy? When well, you like that English, don't you? That really makes your britches happy. <laughs> um, think of. Think about that. We had a chaplain in Linda, my wife, remember, Chaplain Golden. He used to call it the aha moment when you sense God's presence. And it's so overwhelming that you can't even think of anything to say because you become speechless, Emma, because the presence of God is so awesome upon you. And it's something else when when a man and woman, a boy and girl get to come into the presence of God like that, and the Holy Spirit is just so captivating and moving. And Moses experienced two, two points of view of God. When Moses saw God, when he saw the presence, the glory of God, not, not seeing God's face now. When Moses saw the presence of the Lord, he was just so moved with it that it changed the very nature of Moses' countenance. He goes from looking like Shelley to super bright and radiant. Okay. <laughs> I'm picking. Imagine that. You, get a, you go in the presence of God. As close as Moses got on the mountain with God, the more God's glory covered him. Are you sensing that? Yeah. And the more that man was drawn into the bosom of God, and it was less of himself that he could say about and think about. And, I, and he was at the point, Emma, that he was completely engulfed in God's glory. That's something. Yeah. And then there was another time when God spoke and Moses, I mean, God had spoken to Moses before. But this one time when God spoke, Moses said, I feared for my own life. Because he had never heard God speak like that before. And whew, I, can't, I can't get it. Because none of us have ever been there. Not like that. And then John, on the island of Patmos as a prisoner, called up by the Spirit into heaven. And he sees Jesus 
in such an array of glory that he never saw him before. He said, I fell at his feet as one dead. dead. I mean, get, get that. Get, try to explain that to your friends. Uh, you come home and you say to your husband, honey, you're not going to believe who I seen today. You go, what did you see, baby? I saw Jesus. And there you go, say somebody call Vista because something is wrong here. Right? <laughs> something is wrong. Go to your friend's house. <laughs> go to your friend's house. <laughs> okay. She needs to be bigger. Something wrong with this girl's mind. <laughs> but I did have a friend one time who was in Vista. I can't give any names because of the confidentiality of it. I was sitting there. And she said to me, Sammy, did you see the light? She was in Vista because the people couldn't understand the spiritual things she had saw. Oh, wow. And they thought she was crazy. And it didn't hit me until months and months and months later that the girl had seen the glory of Christ. And they called her crazy. And they thought she was crazy. What if you to come in, riding your motorcycle, and we're gonna go before the Lord in prayer, and you are riding that bike, and all of a sudden, the resurrected Christ reveals himself to you. While I'm riding? While you're riding your motorcycle. Listen, here's the rule of the game, folks. For God, there are no rules. That's right. <coughs> So we don't get to pick and choose where and when and what we're doing when he appears. Well, probably wreck. Listen, don't you know that he takes all that in consideration? But the holly doesn't fall over. He rides for you. And you see the glorious appearing of Christ. And nobody else sees it but you. And when it's over with, you're like, why does a ghost is part of the expression? That's what we like to use. And you come home and you tell your wife, honey, guess what I seen today? Because Clint doesn't get excited. Not like normal people. Not like normal people. It's like, eh? Oh. Kind of, kind of melancholy. He's not like me. Like You got to pull him off the walls. That's my excited. Well, yeah. Huh? That's my excited. Yeah. That, uh, and you come home and you say to Shelly, honey, I saw Jesus. He's going, really, really, really? What does it look like? I mean, you got to pull off the wall, right? And, and you go, oh, well, he was just sitting I was cruising alone at 90 miles an hour on my bike. <laughs> and he come up and say, son, slow down. Or you're going to be with me in a few minutes. <laughs> I'm just being funny right now, that's all. But do, do, do imagine, though, you, you, you may you may not been on your bike <laughs> but in prayer and the Holy Spirit takes you into the presence of God and you see the throne of God and you see the resurrected Christ walking towards your arrayed in pure gold with a sash across his chest and you see him and he talks 
to you in the courtyard of God. And you're sitting at the most beautiful round table that you've ever been at. In your mind, you want to say something, but it's like he controls your mouth and your thoughts. Your thoughts want to go back on worldly things, and you can't do anything because he's, he's not allowing that stuff to come into heaven. And your thoughts are all fixed on him. And it's like you're talking, but your mouth ain't moving. But he understands everything you're saying. And when the conversation is over, he gets up to leave and he turns to go back into this beautiful palace like you've never seen before in your life. And he said to him, Jesus, will you tell Father that I love him? And he turns around and he smiles and says, he knows. And you go rushing to go back and tell your wife that. And she said, okay. Like pouring a cold bucket of water in your face. This time? Except the latter part of the cold bucket of water. That happened to me. It's a true story. Did you hear me? Mm -hmm. It's a true story. It really did happen to me. And for the longest, close, 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 brothers and sisters in Christ told me, don't you tell that story to too many people. Because they may call this the... Happened to me one night in the barn when I was praying. I'd been praying for some hours. And all of a sudden, there I was in heaven, sitting in the courtyard of God with Jesus at the round table. That's awesome. My mind kept wanting to reflect back to earthly things, but it's like he took control of my mind. I can show you in my pastor's journal where I wrote it down. That's cool. Months and months and months ago. Know the little girl from London that drew the picture of him? The little girl said she'd been to heaven several times, drew the picture. He looked just like that. Exactly. Like that. You got it. But the almond color skin, very, you can't describe his mannerism because it's just so perfect. Hmm? Yeah, we can look it up later. I forget her name. But, uh... Was this when you were showing me that picture? Was that... Yeah. Where were we when I showed you the picture? Here, and one of the little boys was a CJ 
said that he knew what Jesus looked like. He dreamed about him or something. And so that's what you were like, wow, what's he look like? And you looked up some pictures. And I said, that's him. Uh-huh. That's the one I seen in the vision. Uh-huh. I think it was CJ that said he had a dream that Jesus seen him. And, uh, Too many people around the world have had pictures of the same image, mm -hmm. visions, not picture, but visions. Even in the, um, that movie, the little boy was the same. It was the same one. And it was the same one that when I appeared in heaven in that vision while I was in prayer, I sat down and had a one-on-one -on -one with him. The part that touched my heart the most I don't remember what he was saying to me. And the only thing I could remember is when I said, Jesus, will you tell Father that I love him? And he turned around and smiled and said, he knows. That's the part I remember, Emma, that God knows that I love him. Why do you mean that? <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, so um, today, as we're about to embark upon a very unique part of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, this is the second letter, maybe possibly even the third letter, because in this particular letter, he does allude to another letter. And um, we're going to see some stuff today. Well, we're going to pray for Brandy, for Clinton, their new endeavors in their employment. We're going to pray and continue to ask God to save lost souls. I don't know if that man and woman from Turkey were saved previously by the Lord. But all I can testify is that they wanted to be baptized into Jesus' death and come out of the water resurrected with him. What you all witnessed was something just so moving by the Holy Spirit, Sunday. We don't get to see that that often, do we? Mm -mm. But you did. The Sunday before that, we saw amazing things happen by the Spirit of the Lord. So what is God saying to us, church? I'm here, guys. I'm here. Yes, I'm here. Jesus said, I'm, I'm here. And uh, I love it. And I think there are going to be greater revelations, greater movement of God's Spirit among us. Okay? Yes, sir. I believe that. And also pray. Father, what do you want this ministry to do? Where are we going? I told Lord Jesus, I don't know. Just reveal this plan to me. To us. To us. And I think we're finally now um, moving as a body
I'm sorry time got away from me. Emily leaves early in the morning. We're spending evening together. Yep. Now, we need to pray and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to reveal himself to us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you're awesome in this place. You're awesome. Your name is known in all the earth. Lord God, I, I can't help, Father, but to reflect on the words of your servant Isaiah. He said, oh, Lord, that you would render heavens and that you would come down and reveal yourself. Father, uh, we're not asking that you reveal yourself in a manner of a judge to destroy those who hate you, but to reveal yourself as a loving father that you are, to draw men to you by the way of your son, Jesus. Well, Jesus, that's what we want. We want your appearing, your presence with us. And Lord, without your presence, your church don't exist. But because it does exist, we know that your presence is with us. And we're asking you to wash away all of our sins as you've done in your blood. We're asking, Lord, to wipe away every tear from our eyes and heal every broken hearted and mend all the broken pieces back together again. And empower your children. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit so that we will have a boldness to go out into this world and to proclaim your name as happened on Sunday when people listened and they heard your gospel and responded, Jesus. And Lord, we're asking that you do that again and again and again and again throughout our nation and throughout the land of Israel and around the world. Father, I thank you for blessing us to come together in Jesus' name tonight. Uh, this evening, I thank you for Clinton and Brandon there, the new employment that you've given them. I pray that you prosper their hands there. Let them be your shining light in places of darkness because your children, no matter where we are, as long as we're there for you, it is the appointed place for us. And I pray, Father, that you reveal your revelation knowledge about where is it that you're taking this ministry. Where are you taking us, Lord Jesus? Where are we going to gather together and fellowship and worship you in spirit and in truth? Where is that place that we can call our church that you want us to be at? And we know the church are your people, but Lord, the assembly place, a place where your name will be well known. And Lord, lost saved, lost souls, Father. So many, Jesus, 
don't know who you are. And forgive us because we're not doing that very good of a job to bring them either. We can do more, Lord, and we're asking that your Holy Spirit give us fresh ideas, fresh ways to go about doing this, Lord. So I've tried everything that I could think of, and they're still not coming. So we're asking you, Lord, I give up my ways. Now, Lord, let your way prevail. Father, will you save Israel, all of Israel? And I'm not just talking about those in the land of Israel. I'm talking about Israel around the world. Will you touch and draw them to your son, Jesus? And tonight, Lord, as we look into the heart of your your gospel message by the eyes of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church. We're asking, dear Lord, to reveal yourself in the Holy Scriptures, just as Paul was highlighting you to the Corinthians in this letter. Lord, let it be so in our hearts tonight. And as the Corinthian responded, Lord, also let us respond accordingly to your spirit. Holy Spirit, now teach us all that Lord Jesus wants us to know. And Lord, we ask now for Caitlin and Zora, who's about to graduate and start up on a new journey in their life. Lord, will you be with these young ladies and many others like them around the world? Will you strengthen them and show them the way? Have your way now, Father for the glory of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I want to ask you a question. If someone had a wine business and they were responsible for sending out the best wine, responsible for growing it from the best vineyards, following proper procedures and processing it, and then delivering it according to what your specifications are as they have decided this is the wine, this is, this is the quality in which we're selling you. And based upon that premise, you order this wine. And when you get that wine and you open it up, you find out that it's been watered down. How would you feel? Mad. You feel mad. What would you do, Deacon? Send it back. You would send it back. Why? Because it's not what I ordered. It's not what you ordered. Why would you be mad, Shelly? Because we're going to drink wine. Now it's not good. Okay. Paul uses a word in this letter that was reminiscent to what I just described to you when it comes to preaching the gospel. Here's what he says. King James said, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not or don't lose heart, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty the hidden things of dishonesty. Okay? 
are renounced secret and shameful ways, the NIV says. King James says, New King James says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftness. NIV say in deception. All right. The Greek word there is doulostes, doluntes, right here. Somebody taking wine and watering it down. And you're thinking you get the real deal. Yes. Yeah, it means craftiness, dilutness, deceitfulness. You're not getting what you expected. Trickery. He's now talking about people in the gospel. He's not talking about people on the streets. He's talking about people in ministry. Not giving the people what they're supposed to be given. And you see it today. It's very prevalent today around the world. People are not preaching the pure gospel. They'll take a little bit of it because that's what the diluted wine is, right? Well, you get a little bit flavor go, you know it's wine, but it's not the quality you expected. That's what he's referring to. What, what, what a great analogy. What a great analogy. And I didn't notice until I did the research on it further. But God bless you. But that's what a lot of people are running to. That's what they're flocking to. They're thinking they're getting a pure gospel. And they're standing up and my wife told me this some years ago. She said, Sammy, why they got that look? And I go, what's that look until I start? And they all have that. And like they are, man, this is the greatest thing that they've ever been exposed to. And I'm following the message and I'm going, they got a whole lot of rhetoric from man, but very little of the gospel from God. What's wrong with that picture? And then you hear them saying, preach on. Or they say to one of them, he showed preaching today. But it's not lining up to the text, the word of God. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, since we have this ministry, we have a responsibility from God. Okay? As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. In other words, the compassion of Jesus Christ is with us, and he's our strength to go on no matter what you all think. We're going to give you the gospel. Whether you show up or not, those who show up are going to get the gospel. Okay? But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. All right? There's no manipulation. And our lives also is a demonstration of the gospel. What you see is what you get. There's no hidden agendas. There's no hidden motives. Okay? We're here for one reason and one reason only, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ 
is ordained by God himself. That's what this man is saying. So we're not beating around the bush. So our lives match the gospel that we are preaching. Okay? Our lives are matching it. And so... But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man conscious in the sight of God, when you give people the truth of the gospel, people can measure their own lives up to it. And the Holy Spirit using the gospel is a measuring stick to convict people either of their sin or to anoint them to go on in the gospel. So what is the Spirit doing? When you hear the gospel, either telling you to get right, repent of a sin, or he's anointing you and strengthening you to go on in the gospel. That's what he's doing. But when people monkey around with the gospel, how does a teenager know that the word fornication, often translated as immorality or sexual immorality, how would she know that God is not pleased if she have sex outside of marriage? If we continue to give gospels like this, God is not angry at you. Uh, how would he know, or I know, stay in your own bed with your own wife? As King Solomon says, drink water out of your own sinister. Okay? And how can a man take fire in his bosom? Does that make any sense to you? You ever had a hot coal hit you in the chest, Shelly? Mm -mm. Imagine a red hot coal coming off the barbecue grill. It would hurt. Hitting you in the chest, Clinton. Would you like that? No. <laughs> she answers for you. But by the manifestation of the truth, or on the NIV side, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth, plainly we commend ourselves to every man conscious in the sight of God. So you know who I am. You know me. Okay? If I goof up, if I... Somebody like to use the term screw up. Not really appropriate for church setting, though. If I sin, so if I would just call it what it is. If I sin, then you should have enough belief in me, enough faith in me, that I'm going to fall on my face before God and say, Lord, I sinned against you. Because I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to be leading what? The flocks. The flock and leading what, Matthew? Leading by example. Example. Which I try to, when I do sin, and I do, I try to get my butt before God, and Lord Jesus said, Lord, I messed up. I sinned against you. Father, help me. You all don't necessarily have to know the sin of the pastor. Right. But you do need to know that when he sins, he, he, he takes his butt before the throne of grace and says, Lord, help me. Does that make sense to any of you? Yes, sir. So you could say that that man or that woman is truly a godly man because they don't hide their sins from God. 
And then when they mess up, they do. And people, are, uh, believe it or not, are, are ignorant. They do try to do that. They try to cover up. But how can we cover any of our stuff up? Well, yeah, the Holy Spirit in you. He knows exactly what we're doing. But sometimes we try to outsmart God and we can't. Anyway, verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, what does veil means? What does veil mean? Covered. Covered. Yeah. Even if the gospel is covered, what is it talking about? The gospel is covered. What do you mean? Even if the gospel is covered up, covered up. Does it mean even if you don't know? There's a difference between not knowing and not being able to see it. Not understanding it. Yeah. Not necessarily not understanding, but if some if it if you don't can't get it. Disguise it. Disguise it. There you go. Perfect. If somebody's covering it up to keep you from seeing it or hearing it, they're preventing you from hearing it or seeing it, then you can't you can't respond to it appropriately. Right. Right? Right. So but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are, look at the word, those who in verse 4, those who are what? Actually, in verse 3. It is veiled to those who are what? What does that mean? Dying. Go back to John 3, 16, quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So perishing means they're on their way to Yeah. <laughs> to be without Jesus. And certainly it's not to be the devil's companion either. <laughs> so what did he just say? So he'll explain it in verse five. Four, four and five. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded. And he did say that. He did say God. And those, the God of this age, the, the word anus means the present time. And the God he's referring to there is Satan. Satan has put a veil over the eyes or the heart of people so that they can't see this gospel. Why do you think he's, he's doing that? Making sure he's using as a cover things of this world so people can't see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do you think Satan is working hard to do that? Come on now, stay with me. Satan. You just can't say he's Satan. You got to understand the adversary. That's why we have Bible studies, so that we can understand him, right? Because he's against God. Because he's against God. But why do you think he he uses things to camouflage the gospel from people? What are some of the things that he used to camouflage the gospel from people? I know. He likes to uh, upset people by saying... Um, the Bible says that, uh, that, how about being gay? Is yeah, gay? it's okay. 
It's okay to be gay like because God's gonna love you no matter what. Okay, that's one way. Go ahead. Or like materialistic wants or needs. Okay, the desire for material things and those things become a person's God. Money is, take, uh, is the power of everything you have. Money. Okay, uh, so he uses so many things to cover people's eyes from the gospel. Read it. They don't even want to okay. read it. The biggest is what Paul had said earlier in the letter. That's We get the answers from the letter, okay? And he said, deceitful, dishonest, craftiness of the gospel. People are not speaking the truth of the gospel anymore. That's telling a lie. He's lying about what's in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, I, remember, I remember when I was in seminary at CIU. A certain professor who actually ended up later becoming a good friend of mine, and, and Linda knows him too. We've been to his house. Had a nice house. Um, Melissa went too. Um, he had us to rewrite our testimonies and take anything that alluded to the word sin so that we don't offend, so we wouldn't offend what he calls seekers. Sinners are no longer sinners, they're seekers. Seeking approval of their bad behavior. And so they, they wouldn't feel offended when you tell them that their, their behavior is sin. A famous preacher in Chicago suburb of Willow Creek did this on a large scale and got thousands of followers. Of course. He was okay. coddling people. And what happened was as fast as they was coming in, they were also going out. They weren't staying with the Lord. And then he realized from the Holy Spirit, what have I done? Okay. And the last I read, he went back calling sin, sin. Let me tell you something. Okay. You can sugarcoat this word all you want to. And all you're going to do is be giving people a watered-down gospel. And going to make them feel good about themselves, and they're going to be on the way to hell, along with you, for doing it. But if you give people the truth, give them the truth of the gospel. Adultery is sin. Fornication is sin. Stealing is sin. Lying is sin. Okay? Refusing to serve God is sin. Refusing to accept Jesus Christ is sin. Sin is sin. Right is right and wrong is wrong. In the book of Isaiah, God said, Woe to them who call wrong right and right wrong. The word woe there means God going to get you for that. That you're going to come under God's condemnation. Okay? So the answer was back in the text. Early in the opening part of this part of the letter. When he said that, you know, I, I, he used the analogy about wine. Uh, I expected to get pure root beer. I didn't expect Deacon to water it down. You know, pour half of it out. Drink and, 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 uh, uh, or drink it. In his case, drink it. And fill the rest of it up with water and give it to him. Here you go, Pastor. And I expect to get a good quality root beer, right? But when I take it, 
the point is this? Okay? He just gave me a watered down root beer. And I'd probably throw it back at him. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but. To man, what in the world did you give me? That's what happens. When people get watered down gospel, it has no effect on their lives. But when people get the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, they know the truth. And the truth will do what? Set them free. Even if it's down at that minute. It's, it's, it's planted there. That's right. It's planted there. Because what did you witness Sunday? A man back there doing what? Weeping. Weeping. He was hearing the gospel. I wasn't watering it down. I was telling you like it was in the scriptures. Okay? The Holy Spirit does not work in lies. He works in the truth of the gospel. Okay? So... The God of this world, who minds the God of this age, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. In other words, they get to see who Jesus really is, and they realize they're a sinner in the presence of God who's holy. And oh my Lord, forgive me, for I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, come here, son, come here, daughter. Your sins are forgiven you. Okay. That's what happened when the pure gospel is given. When do children start being held accountable for their sins? <laughs> Ask God, because I don't know. No man knows. When they understand that they're sinning? I think I, I'm with you with that, Brandy. The moment that a child can understand right from wrong in the eyes of God. Some children at 12 don't understand. Just some children at 20 years old have the mind of a child, don't understand. I believe that is left strictly up to God and God alone. Yeah, a perfect example. The word blind means that consciously you are not aware of what was going on until God. It, it, okay, you went there. You went there, wife, with your beautiful self. You went there. Let's use that. Adam and Eve in the garden. From the point where my wife just said blind, they had no conscience of sin. They didn't know. Because that was never opened up in them. God didn't open that up in them. Yeah, until it's brought to their attention, they don't understand. They don't know that they're sinning. They don't know that they're doing wrong. Until so, but they didn't do it wrong because they didn't choose that course. They didn't know that was an alternative course. And that's why God didn't want them to bother the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because it offered two courses. One, the way of God. The other one, the way of the evil one. God didn't want them to know the other way. So by not having eaten from that, they would have never known that. Right? Right. But when they did that, they opened up a whole new world, didn't they? Mm -hmm. A world that separated them from their God. And it was horrible. And we're still living the effects of that. Only God, by Jesus, will change that course as we see in Revelation chapter 21, when a new heaven and a new earth will be brought forth, and all the sinners are gone. And only the, the holiness of God that's prevailing in his people by the Lamb of God will exist. The first population of the world was designed to live in holiness before God who's holy. That population existed, people. It existed in Adam and Eve alone until they ate that forbidden fruit. And then after they ate that, that forbidden fruit, then that other population was birthed. Yes.
Can you separate, can you separate uh, the sinners and the non-sinners? Is that like the rapture? No. <laughs> it happens every day on earth, Brandy. The moment that God, a person, give their life to Jesus, God rebirth their spirit, is that that moment of separation takes place. Even though we're living among them, what Jesus said in John chapter 17, he said, yeah, even though you are in the world, you're not of the world. Otherwise, the word of could have been translated as from. Even though you're living in the world, you're not from the world. He said, just as I am not from the world. Okay? So that moment of separation takes place the moment of the new birth. Now, when Christ sits on his throne down here, he will, and you're talking about the gathering of all the nations, at that time, he will divide the sheep and the goat. Okay? The sheep will represent his children. The goat will represent those who rebelled against God. Okay? By rebelling against Christ. So, good question. Perfect question. But the separation begins the moment of salvation. Oh, she moved it up. Thank you. For we do not preach ourselves. That is a huge problem. Don't you know if you have the right charisma, if you have the right I want to use the word, but I got to be careful how to lay it out in proper syntax. If you have the the right oration, do you know what I mean by oration? Yeah, the ability to speak. Okay, that people would want to fall into hell with gasoline draws on if you could speak that good. I know, and that's bad, wasn't it? Okay, bad <laughs> example, husband. All right, my wife got me on that one. Okay. Lord, forgive me. Okay. I'll work on that. You have some people that who are so persuasive when they speak, they can get you to follow them anywhere. I call them. Adolf Hitler was one. I almost paid for that. And brother-in-law, did you like that, huh? Uh, what about Jim Jones? He was able to swallow people in such a fashion to get them to move away from this country to another country and follow him. And what did he do? He massacred them. Waco, the David Divinity compound. Okay, they're Waco. We see it in all kind of cults. Okay? And some people want to call Christianity a cult. I, I, I kid you not. Yes. And that man down in South Florida. Huh? The man down yeah, down in Miami who say he's Jesus. So you can get the right. There can be a person who could be so powerful in speech that that person can literally get millions to follow him. And people will give up everything they got to follow that person. We see it time and time again. Yeah, Adolf Hitler was one of them. He was a great speaker. Mm -hmm. 
however, the Apostle Paul warned us of this in his first letter to the Corinthian church. He said, I did not come to you with persuasive words or with the wisdom of men, but I came, or the word wisdom could translate philosophy of men, which is wisdom. He said, but I came to you with the power of God and the Holy Ghost. He said, that's how I came to you. All right? So, back up there, but we do not preach ourselves. But, but there are preachers that, and male and female, do a good job getting in front of people. And they're, and they're like a salesman, boy. They, they, they sell themselves, and, and they got people mortgaging their houses mm -hmm. and sending those checks into these people. Every person on television is not a bad preacher, okay? Not all of them are bad. Not every person on, on, on the radio is not a bad preacher. They generally love the Lord. They're anointed by the Holy Spirit, and they want to get that gospel out there where people can hear it. Okay, they're not trying to manipulate people. They're not trying to deceive them to send them money. Because just think, Brandon, if you get five million people to give you one or two dollars a piece, what will you have? Imagine you do this over a year's time. You have a huge, huge bank account, won't you? Yeah. So if you can get enough people to buy into your story, and all you ask them for one, two, or three dollars, after a while, that one and two and three dollars going to end up into millions. And you're going to be a millionaire. Just like the homeless people when they ask for it on the street. Yeah. So we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves. You, you know, we're, he says, you're bond servants for Jesus Christ. What is a bond servant? This is a word you need to write down, deacon. This is a this is a definition you need to write down. Servant in debt to you. Okay, a bond servant. Uh, you see that word doulos there? Um, bond servant. And I misquoted that word earlier for deceit. I was wrong. Uh, doulos is a bond servant. It's a slave. But not just a slave. Some slaves depend on the slave owner. Get privileges. Are you, are you hearing me? Saudi Arabia have slaves. Did y'all know that? Modern day slaves in Saudi Arabia. I seen them when I was there. Okay. Um... A bond servant is a slave who had done what? Serves for a certain amount of time and then set free. Nope. That's an indentured servant. A, a bond servant is one who have no choice. And he's completely sold out to his master. They're in debt to him, right? If a Master say, lay on your back, put your stomach up so I can put my feet in your stomach to warm my feet or to soothe my feet. Did you know these people do black slaves like that in this country? You have no choice but to do that. So a bond servant is one who have 
completely sold out, said, whatever my master wants, that's what I will give him. Does that like mean like without bonds, so you can't like no amount of money? You're still a slave, but to a certain degree, even a slave will reject. Yeah. But a bond servant, a bond slave has said, even though I'm a slave, I'm going to go that extra mile to give my master everything he wants. Who was such a bond servant in the Bible? In the Old Testament, way back. Can y'all think of one? Yes. Joseph would have been considered a bond servant in the house of Potiphar, the one whose wife had tried to get him to lay with her. Joseph gave the best service he could to Potiphar. Not because of Potiphar, but because of God. And when he went to prison, he did the best he could when he was in prison. And what happened then? He was put in charge of <laughs> yeah, doing things in the prison, other prisoners. And so this is what a bondservant is. And it's also the same title that Paul called Jesus our Lord in Philippians chapter 2. That he came as a bondservant. So Jesus wanted to be a slave to God on our behalf. He willed himself to do whatever it took to save us. That he did. Read Philippians chapter 2, starting verse 5. In the King James Version of the 10. I'm going to turn it to it right there. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. All right, look at this. Don't hit the other ones now, Emma. Lead only that column. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who's being in the form of God, otherwise the likeness of God, otherwise God, right? Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself with no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Okay? Now the word their servant should have been translated as bond. bond. Servant. Emma, cross-referencing across the board. I want you to do it now. Let's see what the other one said. Nature of a servant. Ah, New King James got it right. Bond servant. Jesus made it his point to serve his father at every capacity necessary to save us. Same thing that he's calling us for. All right, we'll go a little longer because usually I think she go to 7.30. Okay, that's 15 minutes from now. Emma, yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. <laughs> hey, sometimes you have to do cross-references, Right? Are we having fun yet? Clint go, no. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I know for me. All right. So it says, 
that we ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded that the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is the light? What is he talking about? What is the light? What's being revealed here? Or look at the NIV side. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. What is he talking about there? Let light. Ah, y'all are missing it. Let there be. What's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I thought y'all would catch it. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That, that baby a good sleeper. She didn't wake up on that one. Okay. So, for God who said, let, let, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In other words, when God called you and I by the Holy Spirit, as this gospel is being preached, or read to you. It could be preached or teached. Either way you heard it. The light of God went into the darkness of your soul and lit you up so that you can see and hear the gospel and see the face of Christ. That's right. So then you would know that I'm a sinner. I've sinned against God who's holy and there's going to be a day of accountability. But God sent in the Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. Otherwise, he died for our sins on the cross. Okay? Don't you just love it? Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ. What is the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? Yeah, the word of God. Knowledge, gnosko. Facts, baby. Facts. 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 Stop speaking that broken German. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> She's going to make my stomach sick. <laughs> Honey, your daughter just told me she loved me. All right. <laughs> Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, King James says earthly vessels, earthen vessels. Anybody ever seen the red pots they sell at Walmart? The red clay, what? Red clay pots. Yeah, terracotta. Like there you go. That's what it's referring to. Clay pots, pots that a pottery makes. My wife used to do pottery. Okay. So she, she can understand this analogy he's using now. So we're, he says, but what is he calling a clay pot? Earthen, earthen vessels. What is he calling? It's made from the earth. So. Oh, somebody's on it. So where did God take Adam from? The earth. Oh, you're getting it now, aren't you? Do you think it's amazing all this Old Testament stuff just packed right in there? <laughs> just got to pull it out. So... But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power. What power? The power of the gospel is from who? Look up there. Who's it from? It's from God. It's from God himself, not from man. Okay? So why are we trying to tamper with that which comes from God? 
Paul is telling Corinthian church here. So evidently some rumors went around that he really wasn't who he said he was. And he's, he's proven some facts here. He's proven some facts. Look where all this is coming from. Your salvation didn't come from us. This ministry is not from us. This gospel is not from us. Your body is not from you. It's from God. It was created by God. The same God who revealed his son Jesus to you in the gospel is the same God who said, let there be light. I mean, he's pouring some facts out there. Irrefutable facts. Okay? It's amazing that my wife didn't used to attend my Bible studies. And I wonder if you actually knew your husband could teach like this. Did you? <laughs> well, I'm just tickled to death. I probably, uh, people around the world, my wife do support me. That wasn't a, a, a cheap shot at her. <laughs> um, that's right, because we should have our home Bible studies. and we Same way I'm teaching now, we should do it at home. Right, Melissa? Same way. I haven't changed. It's the same way. We're hard-pressed on every side. Now, that's the part I love over in the King James Version. Because this is very poetic, very truthful. Uh, Brother Shakespeare must have translated this part. Okay? Listen how it flows. Listen how it flows. It says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. All right? We are perplexed, but not in despair. Whoo, don't that sound good? <laughs> I know Shakespeare, Shakespeare had to do that one. <laughs> Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not what? Not destroyed. <laughs> isn't that poetic? Isn't that, isn't that great? Fall for the little rhythm and rhyme in there. But it's true. How many times have you been beat up because your life changed? By your friends and family members. I've heard some stuff. Because you're you're not the same way. Did you not question just recently? Do you mean to tell me because I'm a Christian I gotta stop doing this now? In a sense you persecuted yourself. <laughs> but there are those who want to rob you of this truth and saying that you don't have to live this way. You don't have to live in a life of what they call legalism. And my thing to those who say legalism, take it up with God. Because it's God's word. Okay? Back down, Emma. Bring it back down. I, I wasn't finished it yet because it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> so we're troubled on every side Paul would later write in his letter to Timothy he said those who will live godless shall suffer persecution in other words they're going to come after you yep okay Brandon it's coming folks are going to hurt your feelings because you belong to Jesus okay folks are going to be headed up by spiritual darkness and by the way when he said that people blinded by the God of this world. He's talking about spiritual 
forces mm -hmm. that don't belong to God. We're talking about Satan and his minions. So, sister, welcome to the life of spiritual warfare because they're coming after you. They're coming after you. But there's power in the name of Jesus. Break every. And there's an army rising up. <laughs> Don't get started. So we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. In other words, it does not put me to the, such a point I want to go jump off a building or put a gun to my head and pull the trigger. All right? I'll pop some pills and lay down and never wake up again. He said, though we are troubled on every side, though we are what? We're not distressed. There's two types of stress. Sweetie, can I put your counseling hat on a minute? Do you remember the two kinds of stress that we were taught in our counseling classes? This stress, what you're saying, and you stress. Okay, can you explain to us what those two are? Loud, you're being recorded. And you're coming on around the world. The word you in Latin means good. Okay? This stress is stress that is not good. This stress is the stress that's not good for you. That's when people pop pills and put guns to their heads and put ropes around their necks, and that's when they take leaps. Freak out and scream. Okay? Stress is the stress that I sometimes Now, with the others? You stress. You know the word you angle us? Where we get the word evangelism or evangelist? You angle us. You is good. Anglus is message. Translated as good message. Or the gospel. Good stress. Okay? What's some good stress? When you go to the gym and work out, when you play a game of basketball, you go roller derby. Oh, not roller derby. What do you call it? Ro yeah, roller blading. Roller skating. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's distress. Wait, how is that you stress? Because it's good. They tell you that physical fitness is good for the body unless you push too far, and then it becomes what? Distress. Yeah. Why you keep hitting your chest? I noticed you've done it several times tonight. Tell us. What's going on? You know how, I, like, sometimes I get little waves of anxiety that cause me a little pain? It's all good stress. There's power in the name I'm okay. Jesus. of Jesus. Jesus got me. I'm all right. Clothes, so <laughs> it happens every once in a while. It's in Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm Here, right. don't come back. So, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. It's not going to kill us. We're, this is not stopping us. Okay. We are perplexed. What does perplex means? You hear people talk about perplexity, perplexity of mind. That means those thoughts get so heavy up there. You, yeah, you need a traffic cop to go up there. Okay, you stop, you come on. And then get somebody to help make sense of your thoughts. Yeah, that's what's going on here. Okay, Tucker, slow down. <laughs> All right, red light, stop light. Oh, we try not to use caution lights unless we don't want to have a wreck, right? I do that when I try to explain stuff. <laughs> anyway, but so we're perplexed, but not in this stress. Yeah, no despair. 
Okay, perplex me, yeah, it's things that are going to come and, and get in our minds and going to go, whoo-wee, boy, <laughs> that's a burden, right? To some. To some. Not to all. Some people can handle it. Some people can handle it. Uh, I tell you, don't call my wife if there's a medical emergency, especially when blood is present. <laughs> don't call Belinda. You call Sammy or Matthew. Okay? Oh, yeah. Matthew can handle stuff. He, he is. He's gifted. Don't call Melissa because she's just like her mama. Oh, no. All right. Uh-oh, now I got my daughter at me. Oh, no, Dad. <laughs> so, but Jesus, can you imagine now the apostles take on the nature of Jesus? Because you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened to the Lord Jesus? He dropped great drops of he sweated great drops of, yeah, perplexity. I mean, what he was facing became so big of a burden on him that the scripture says that he sweated great drops of blood. And medically, they have proven, they have had people come in the emergency room that their capillaries busted. They had so much on their minds. It's, it's, it's amazing. It was amazing that they didn't go into a stroke. But Lord Jesus sweated great drops of blood. And God sent an angel to minister to him, to strengthen him. Okay? If the Son of God, if he went through that, can you imagine you and me? Paul, this great, powerful man of God is saying, yeah, perplexity happened to me. Yes, trouble happened to me. Yes, uh, uh, persecuted, but not forsaken. In other words, when people came after him to destroy him, do you know the difference between prosecution and persecution? Prosecution is when the state come after you. Right, Clint? in a criminal case, but they can in turn use that as persecution against you, to attack you, to destroy you, okay? But you don't have to be in the government to do this. You can just be a common citizen and jump on somebody in the church and cause persecution. And you get your little click going and then they start saying, we don't want your kind around here, you Jesus freak. Or we don't do that kind here in our church. Oh, we don't want that color in our church. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Why don't you ask your God? Oh, okay. We don't want you gays in our church. Or we don't want you uh, whatever it is in our church. If the church can't be full of sinners so they can be converted, where can they go? Right? Because when Jesus got on the religious leader, he said, I did not call the righteous to repentance. But who? Sinners. So why are we trying to keep them out when they really should be what? Coming in. So that they can hear the gospel and repent and be saved. Okay. Uh, so NIV put it like this. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. God does not forget us. Doesn't forget us. Struck down. And this is the hard part. 
struck down, people are going to put you out. You hear me? But they're not going to destroy you. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. The man, John chapter 9, sitting at the temple complex. He's blind. And the disciples asked Lord Jesus a question. They said, Lord, who sinned that this man was born blind? Did he sin or his parents? I thought it was kind of a ridiculous question because how, how, how can a baby sin that it come out of his mother's womb blind? I guess it's just the way in Jewish culture they ask the question. But Lord Jesus answered in such a powerful way. He said, neither, but that the works of God will be done in him. Otherwise, boy, you're about to see something now. Okay. And Jesus, under his eyes with the salve made from a spit, said, go wash. Man came back seeing. Rejoicing. Jesus loved. The religious leaders asked him, isn't this the man that was born blind? People going, yeah, this one who looked like him. I said, no, it's him. He said, how did you were blind and now you see? He said, a man named Jesus told me to go and wash my eyes. I was blind, but now I see. And they kept on that poor man. And finally, he said, to do you want to be one of his disciples? They said, and you are unlearned and you're going to teach us? They even sent for his parents and said, is this your son? And they said, yes. Was he born blind? Yes. Well, how does he see him now? We don't know. He's of age. Ask him. They were scared because if they would have agreed with Jesus, they were going to put him out of the synagogue. So they said, tell us again, how did you get your sight? He said, I've told you once, and you want to hear it again? <laughs> and basically, they struck him down. They put him out of the synagogue. They excommunicated him. The very people who were supposed to be leading him to God, for the very first time he had never seen before in his life, and he laid eyes upon the people who were supposed to be leading him to God, put him out of the temple. And when that happened, the scripture says that Jesus went and found him and said, do you believe in the son of God? He said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe? He said, it is he who's talking to you and the one that you're looking at. How would you like to have that revelation? It's like a sinner coming into the church. Yeah. And the man, the scripture say, and the man worshiped Jesus right then and there. Was blind? But now I see. Paul is giving a very powerful word here to the Corinthians. A lot of Old Testament language mixed in. Symbolism, not symbolism, but the truth. God who said, let there be light, also sent the light of his son Jesus in you into the darkness in your soul. So that you can see Jesus very clearly in the gospel and what he did for you. All this is going to happen to you. 
as we're waiting on her. She should be coming over in a minute. I just read on down through. So in verse 10, it says on the NIV side, we're always carried around. We are we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Clinton, this is the part you as a deacon need to get, and you need to keep it, you need to keep it, you need to keep it, you need to keep it. Keep it in you at all times. Do this, Deacon. This is Jesus on the cross inside of you. Never forget that. Never. That's what Paul just said. We carry the crucified Christ around in us always. Never forget that. So that you can see him. In other words, when we come to you, we're not coming to you within a junk. We're coming to you with the real deal. Okay? For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Listen, people are going to try and kill you. People are always going to try and kill you. Folks have died. Thousands upon thousands of Jesus' followers, his disciples, our Lord Jesus Christ's children, have been killed for his sake. That's right. Have been killed. Okay? Been killed. You and I may not be any different. You hear me? Verse 12. So then death is at work in us, but life is is at work in you. In other words, Satan has signed a death sentence to us. He has put a bounty of death upon our heads. But you, you are getting the life that God wants you to get. When you receive this gospel and you repent of your sins by turning to Jesus, you get the gift of eternal life. That's the gift that you get. But we, we always have a death sentence waiting for us because we preach Jesus and him crucified. And him raising from the dead. Folks don't like that. A lot of places they don't they do not like that. Okay. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What does that mean, Shelley? That means you believe what you hear and you speak what you believe. Believe what you hear and speak what you believe, that which you have heard, the gospel. If you don't believe this gospel, you might as well get up, walk out, and never come back. Pretty simple, huh? It's not a smorgasbord. From Genesis to Revelation is the word of God. Choose all or none. That's Okay. Verse 14, we're about finished, Emma. Put 14 to the top and we'll close this out. Okay. A little long tonight, but we started quite late. <laughs> Put 14 to the top. You could have did it in the middle of column and that would have brought it on up. No! 
I knew that was gonna happen the moment you did that. Man, I did way too far. Second yeah, time. you would have chapter four, verse fourteen. <laughs> I was using the scrolling thing instead of these little arrows. Well, if I had one less column up there, you would be able to do that. <laughs> All right, let's finish it up. Uh, let's go to New King James column, knowing that he who he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. What are you talking about, Shelley? That uh, one who raised Lord Jesus, meaning God, mm -hmm. brought Jesus from the dead, will also raise us to be with Jesus. And uh, what do we call that? The. Said Shelley. You had it on the tip of your tongue. Resurrection? Yes. Resurrection. He's talking about the resurrection. Okay. In verse 15. Read it loud. Who, me? Yeah. Who? Last time I checked, your name is not who, me. Your name is Shelly. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Okay. So what's going on? It's saying that uh, this is all for us. Like he did all this for us so that, that um, the same grace that, that's gathering more and more of, of Jesus' followers yeah. um, can cause like it hadn't stopped, has it? Like, yeah, how about that? So the more people get saved, the more people glorify God, isn't it? And it just overflows, I mean, more and more. And y'all wonder why I get happy at times. Because the more people come into the kingdom, the more God gets the glory. That's what it's all about. You agree? Yeah. Oh, that's why we do what we do. All right, that was a cliche right there, I think. Was it? Or was it an idiom? Wait, what did you say? I said, that's why we do what we do. Let's look at right here, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. In other words, we don't faint. We don't get weak. We don't give up. Okay? When times get tough, Brandon, when people are talking about you, spitting in your face, slapping you, kicking you, and calling you every name but a child of God, you don't quit. When people lie on you, they hurt you in every way possible. You don't quit Jesus because he's not the one doing the hurting. He's the one who hurt it for you. Amen? Well, you can't always ignore him. I assure you of that. Some of that pain will linger. It will linger. And at times it even will cause you to become speechless. And even immobile at times. Right, Dick? And at times, all you can do is moan and groan. And the Spirit says that when at that time when you don't even know what to pray for, He prays. He makes moaning and groaning on the inside of you. Read it in Romans chapter 8. All right, we're finishing this. No, 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 no. Fire my computer operator. Okay, so therefore, we don't lose heart, though hourly we're wasting away. Although Paul said the our man, what what is he talking about? Outwardly we waste away. What is he saying? Our physical bodies dying. Yeah, that's why you see Shelly. She was a young, cute little kid. Now she's old and wrinkled. Okay. And after a while, my wife said, "Why you pick on Shelly so much?" 
<laughs> Call, uh, my wife said she was not a cute kid. <laughs> no, I, 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 she didn't say that. Her husband is sitting next to her. Okay, all right. Uh, folks around the world, please, this is not me every day. I love Lord Jesus, and don't take this to heart. Our secretary is ugly. <laughs> no, she's not. Lord Jesus, forgive me. That's just crazy. Why is that baby out there by himself? Go get that baby. Anyway, Lord Jesus, please don't hold my silliness against me. For all things we are. Listen, don't lose heart, though I will we're wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Like yes, your spirit is being strengthened every day. You're getting a new growth in the spirit every day. Okay? But this this shell, this flesh is dying. Alright? And eventually it's gonna have to be put to rest. That's right. Okay? But your spirit man won't be. And in closing, for our light and monument are momentarily troubles are achieving for us in an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Clinton, eventually trouble will pass. That's right. Eventually all heartache will stop. Because Jesus Christ is going to bring it all to pass. That's right. It's going to be over with, Brandy. You don't ever have to worry about somebody calling you another name. You don't have to ever worry about somebody kicking you and calling you no good for preaching Christ and saying you're preaching a dead God, a man that's dead. People say all kind of crazy stuff. But the suffering that you go through for the Lord Jesus, eventually it's going to end. God's going to put an end to it. And then, look at verse 18. Uh, let, me, let me finish up 17. Hello, Max. <laughs> Cute. All right. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, what are they saying here? Wait till you see Jesus. Verse 18, the closing verse. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is he saying, Deacon? What are we looking at? Where are we to fix our eyes at? Yeah, you fix our eyes on who? On Jesus. You fix your eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. You put your hope in the resurrected Christ. That's right. Not in the trouble that you're currently in or the trials and tribulations that you're facing. Because right, those are temporary. But Jesus is what? Forever. Forever. He's eternal. Amen. That's right. I'm going to clap. Nobody else will. Okay? So. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Spirit, heaven is eternal. Amen. God is eternal. Amen. Lord Jesus is eternal. Okay?
Print a lesson from Paul to the to the Corinthians. Very powerful lesson. Very poetic at times too. Packed full of the Old Testament stuff. We could have unpacked a lot more, but I didn't tonight. All right, get a question. You actually stayed awake. God bless you. As we close this out, we do as always. Our heart is for people around the world that don't know Jesus. If you are pretending to know him, you have what the Bible calls a form of godliness. And you deny the power thereof. never met Jesus you need to know that he's real he's not just a historical figure he's the son of God who God sent here to reveal God in the flesh and to die on the cross for our sins throughout the three days that's right give God some glory after three days, God raised him from the dead. And by his own admission, he walked out of the grave on his own power. And by his own blood, he washed away our sins. And he's the only way in which men could be saved, and women, and boys and girls. There is no other way of salvation. And so we encourage you by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God trust Jesus, the son of the living God. There's only but one God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, God of all creation, God of all the nations, and his son Jesus. God's name is known in, in, in Hebrew as Yahweh. To us, God, or the Lord God. Trust him. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, we pray and thank you for this lesson. Lord, help our hearts to be responsive to it and to be obedient to you, Lord Jesus, because the glory of the cross and the glory of salvation is Jesus, our Lord. And you made that so, Lord God. And we're asking our Lord for those who have heard this gospel message who place their trust in him and those that know him Lord, that we will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in him, that we'll be encouraged and with boldness to go out and tell others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.